Hi, and thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Logistics with Purpose. This is Christy Porter, Chief Marketing Officer from Vector Global Logistics and often co-host or host of the Logistics with Purpose podcast. Today, we have a special episode for you. Scott Luton, our friend and founder of Supply Chain Now, as well as our co-founder and managing director and usual co-host of Logistics with Purpose, Enrique Alvarez, are sitting down with Kathy Fulton, who's the executive director of the American Logistics Aid Network. If you're familiar with them, they do a lot of amazing work around the United States in, in the form of disaster relief, and they've really promoted a lot of giving as well as on-the-ground facilitation of that. So we're going to get to hear from Kathy, and we'll also get to hear a little bit more about the award that we recently won for them, which was Outstanding Contribution to Disaster Relief for our work in the Ukraine. So I know you're going to love this. It's going to be a great conversation. They're doing incredible work. So we always encourage you to go online and follow them and look to see how you can support their amazing efforts in disaster relief around the United States. And now I'll turn it over to Enrique and Scott. Thanks so much. Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and Maureen Wolschlager with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Maureen, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing wonderful. We've got one of our favorite repeat guests that's out there, certainly moving mountains. Uh, we're talking with this industry leader, doing big things, especially to help those in need. One of our favorite conversations to have. In particular, Maureen, as you know this very well, our guest is helping nonprofits find the logistics, equipment, expertise, and services they need to make things happen. So it should be a great show, right? Exactly. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in today's guest here, Kathy Fulton, the executive director with the American Logistics Aid Network, also known as Allen. Kathy, how are you doing? I'm great, Scott. It's a lot of fun to be with you and Maureen today. I agree. It's been too long. As yeah. you know, we're big admirers of what you and your uh, incredible team do. And Maureen, I tell you, we're tickled to get started uh, talking back again with Kathy Fulton. You ready to go, Maureen? I'm ready. Let's All right, but. <laughs> Buckle up. Here we go. So I want to start with, before we get into kind of the business of what you do and all the, the, the great work and very practical work that you are doing to help folks that, you know, are that need the help. Let's back it up a little bit. And for the three people that may have not caught one of your interviews out there or or a couple of your appearances here, let's refresh our memories a bit. So tell us about yourself, Kathy Fulton. Well, thanks for the question, because, uh, you know, my favorite subject is always myself. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> My favorite subject is Alan, but I'll uh, talk about myself in context with that. So I'm the executive director for the organization. And I've been serving in that role since 2014, but I've hung around, you know, a few years before that as a volunteer and as a uh, as an operations person. But my background is not supply chain. My background is not disaster. My background is not even nonprofit work. I'm actually an old IT person from a third-party logistics company that kind of got voluntold to, uh, you know, hey, there's this nonprofit that needs help. And it 
aligned with, it It checked all the boxes for me. You know, it aligned with all of the passions uh, that I'm really, you know, excited about, which is helping people using other people's skills, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't have any skills. I just, I let it, I, oh. I, I convince other, I convince other people to do things, but, but using those skills that, you know, that businesses are, are doing every day to help in the nonprofit and disaster perspective. So Kathy, we're going to dive a lot more into that in, in just a second. I love the I love the phrase voluntold. Maureen, have you ever been voluntold to do anything? I know I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> and we're better off for it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love My that. My husband's in the military, so we get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly. Kathy, you're also very humble. Uh, you, uh, As we all know, Maureen and I, big, being big fans, you bring a lot to the table. It takes a really special cross-functional skill set to do what y'all are doing and you're doing. Your last appearance, we talked a little bit about your upbringing and and we're going to dive into kind of what Alan's doing and and all the operations there. But refresh my memory there. Where did you grow up? Yeah. So I grew up in this little town called Natchitoches, Louisiana, home of steel magnolias and um, uh, numerous other, you know, uh, films. But yeah, it was a really unique place to, to grow up in the middle of the country, far from the big city. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of that has informed who I am as a person, just from the, uh, you know, the community aspect of the small town life. So you read my mind of where we're going in a second, but I'm going to quick take a quick departure because Maureen and I, everyone knows that listens to Plotcha now, we love talking food around here. And when I hear <laughs> the word Louisiana, man, so yeah. what's one food dish that was inseparable from your childhood? You know, <laughs> so my mom is a Yankee, was a Yankee. So um, we didn't grow up eating a lot of the the really traditional Louisiana foods, but now it's it's gumbo. Like, oh. you know, that just that takes me back more to more to college. So I went to college in the same town where I grew up. But uh, yeah, you know, get good gumbo. You just can't go wrong. Oh, you have me at guh. Look, that looks that. hungry right now. He looks visibly <laughs> hungry. It must be that tasteless water he is drinking. Oh, yes. man. Thank you so much, Maureen. And I'll just I'll put this. Uh, sparkling water is my go-to. It's like a calorie and a half. But uh, anyway, it's cold. Not just, just not tasty. But anyway, so Maureen, uh, we're going we're gonna to find out a role model uh, here in a second on a more serious uh, side. But Maureen, if you, when you think of um, whether it's Louisiana, traditional, Delicious cuisine or something else from your childhood. What what's uh what's, what's this food talk conjuring up in your in your mind? Well, so I'm actually from up in the Northeast, so the food is a little bit of a different type of cuisine. So growing up, we always had scrapple on Sundays. I don't know that I need to tell our viewers what that is. You guys can Google it. Um, I don't actually eat meat anymore, but growing up, just the smell of scrapple takes me back to. Sunday breakfasts with, you know, my extended family. And uh, Maureen, because my mom was from New Jersey, I almost said, well, it's probably scrapple, to be honest. <laughs> Most people don't know what it is. And I, right. I know that there's a lot of interesting meats out there. And it's I don't I didn't give up meat because of scrapple. It's just something I grew <laughs> okay. away from. The, but, the scrapple uh, industry is very appreciative of your clarification. Yes. yes. Um, so. <laughs> but, but definitely there's a certain just memory you have when you know you think of Sunday breakfasts and 
you know, I had a, my extended family close by and um, that the smell of it, it's not bad. It's like a bacon type smell, but uh, that's, that's what I think of as far as cuisine. Yeah. Love that. Uh, and, you know, in the military, uh, being in the air force, uh, I don't know if we had real genuine scrapple, but we had what they call blank on a, on a shingle. Yeah. Right. And I'll let folks, you know, kind of put those, those yeah. words together, but uh, all right. So moving right along. On a more serious note, so again, you've been part. If I if I piece this together right, uh, Kathy, you've been a part in some level of Alan's mission since 2010, right? Initially, kind of voluntold and as a volunteer, and now of course as executive director and all points in between. That takes a lot of passionate and and deliberate mission to help others. And and as we were talking, kind of pre-show, some days. I bet it's like top of the mountain. In other days, as you're seeing and experiencing some of what folks are going through, you know, you need to have that DNA in your bones that keep you moving forward. So with that said, who is someone from your past that really inspired you to tirelessly serve others as you do? Yeah, you know, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of really just phenomenal role model models. And I'm actually going to talk about my parents for a minute before I talk about my professional career, because... I had the mom who was not the traditional like classroom mom. She worked and, you know, did all of those things, but she also was able to go out and volunteer and she coached softball and she ran the, the little league, you know, the league for the little league. Um, so like just seeing that a woman in a man's world, I think influenced me greatly as a kid. And then my father um, is probably the person who taught me how to love unconditionally and serve equitably. Um, He was a college professor, grew up in the sticks backwoods of Louisiana and, you know, ended up with a PhD in microbiology of all things, but he had uh, he, he was the person who talked to the janitor the same way he talked to the president of the university. And for a kid to see that and to understand that there's no difference from a human level in, you know, these two people is, is I think, really just had a tremendous impact on me. But, you know, hey, really, really quick, yeah, Kat, go ahead. if I can, because I love I love your answer already. And, you know, over the weekend. I like taking my son, Ben, on Saturday mornings when we try to grab breakfast together. I do it as often as we can. And we usually you do we do mom and pop places, but this past weekend we did Waffle House, right? Which I'm never going to turn down and pat him up plate from Waffle House, unfortunately. But hey, that aside. But you know what? I was struck as I went into the Waffle House. I noticed something for the first time. They had signs put up in the entrances and those windows, you know? And it basically said to paraphrase, hey, treat our associates with kindness, right? Be nice to our our team members. And I'm like, man, I love that on one hand, but on the flip side, if that's what we have to do, to your point of speaking, of just being kind to everyone, regardless of, of your interaction in life, man, it's kind of, it kind of is a gut punch. But uh, respond to that, Kathy, if you would, then I know you've got another role model or two to share with us. You know, I, I had a similar experience that I, I caught myself in today, Scott. Like I was I had some travel difficulties today, let's just say. Me too, Kathy. <laughs> yeah. And so so I decided, you know what? I'm just I'm gonna treat myself a little bit. And I went into a coffee shop nearby hotel and things just weren't going well. And I like I started to snip at the barista and I ca- and she responded with like the most positive attitude like ever. 
And it just, it was a punch to me to say, what are you doing? Like the sun is shining, the sky is blue. You are, you know, uh, in this great city and you're going to be mean to somebody because you're having a bad day. And I think we all need to to remember that it ain't about us right. ultimately. Yeah, so. well said. Well said. Hey, Maureen, quick, your quick comment along those lines before we get back to uh, Kathy's role models there. Yeah, Kathy, I was going to say, when you had said um, love unconditionally, serve equitably, That was that how you, you said yeah. it? Yeah, I, I wanted to write it down because I thought that was just a great motto to have, regardless of where you are and what you're doing, to not apply any sort of prejudice to to any sort of relationship or interaction that you have. And kind of you, you don't want to have those reminders when you're not doing it, but it's a good motto to have. Isn't it um, though? And we're all human. Straight, right. Yeah. We all have those moments of weakness, right? So mm-hmm. I, what a great call out, Maureen. And now we have our podcast title. We'll see if that sticks. <laughs> Ooh. Um, <laughs> so I Kat, love it. Kathy, I, I, so you're going to you, offer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is right. So you're going to offer, I think, one other, one or two other figures uh, from your journey. Yeah, just just one other, and you know, you can't really talk about Alan without talking about our founding president, Jock Menzies, and uh, another person who loved unconditionally and served equitably, right? And Jock unfortunately left us way too soon, nine years ago this year, which is astonishing to me to think that, it, that it's been that long. But he, you know, Jock had this way of breaking down silos. Um, and so much of the work that Alan does is working between businesses and nonprofits or businesses and government. And I think every day there's something that reminds me of Jock. And I know that my decisions are are influenced by him. It's just a reminder that, you know, he had a way of, of showing, look, we're all on the same team. After a disaster happens, we want people to eat. We want them to be hydrated. We want them to have medical care and they need a place to stay, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. It doesn't matter uh, how it happens, whether it's government providing it or businesses providing it or nonprofits providing it. It all takes logistics and we can all figure out how to do that better together. I love that, Kathy. And uh, Maureen, your comment there and you can roll, let's roll right into our, our next segment here with Kathy Fulton. Yeah, Kathy, so I was going to say, for our audience who might not be familiar with Alan, would you be able to just give us a background of who they are and what they do, and then kind of into your role as executive director, maybe what your favorite aspect is, or kind of give a bigger picture for the group so they can kind of tie in what you're saying with all the other touch points we're talking about. Yeah, and I hope it comes through that who I am or or that who I am as a person greatly influences how the organization works. And I hope that that's the same for all leaders that, you know, um, that that they bring something good to their organization. But I'll talk a little bit about what we do. Um, And and honestly, it's a few different things, but all of them are focused on helping communities that have just experienced a really bad day from a disaster. And so, you know, after a disaster, a lot of nonprofit organizations will go into this into communities or nonprofit organizations that are already in the communities to help with cleanup efforts or to help with providing food or shelter or hydration. Um, and we're working with those nonprofit organizations uh, to help them find access to donated or discounted logistic services. Uh, you know, on the the flip side of that, we're obviously 
that requires businesses who provide those services. So we want to make sure that those businesses themselves are staying in business. And that means getting the information that they need to keep their own supply chains moving. If they're, you know, putting the oxygen mask on themselves first, if, if they're not helping their own um, employees and their own business, then they can't help uh, other people in their community. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we work with government, uh, you know, as we're in touch with businesses all the time and nonprofits all the time. Um, and so we want government to understand, hey, what's really happening with supply chains during disaster? Government has, you know, scarce resources, right? They, they, I mean, from a, I should probably qualify that to say they can spend a lot of money and get a lot of things, but what they have at their disposal initially is small and we don't want them cannibalizing private sector, you know, pre-existing supply chains. So, yeah. So, you know, we want government to use those resources wisely. And then we do a couple other things like we we have educational activities. We bring all of our industry association partners together every couple of weeks to talk about hot topics. And I think the thing that I love doing the most and I get this from my dad is just bringing people together, whether they're public, private, nonprofit, building those relationships that support resilient communities. You know, we can bounce back faster from a disaster. So I just, I mean, you know, you asked about like, what's my favorite part of it? And it's seeing how all of that comes together and the good things that happen when oh. um, when a disaster occurs. Maureen, love that, huh? Now, I, I was just going to say, I, I think all three of us here are involved in, uh, in, in charitable initiatives, right, of all sorts and, and, and um, scopes and whatnot. But I can only imagine, Kathy, the, and Maureen, I'd love to get your take here. Can you imagine... When you see, you know, all the results of weeks, hours, days, weeks, whatever, you know, marshalling, cutting through all the, and I, I'm going to say red tape. I don't, that's not a slam on any aspect of the whole ecosystem. It's just, it's really just, you know, or different organizations, different people in different parts of the solution. And they all probably struggle to communicate and, and really get the most out of what are limited resources out there. So after all of that work to see aid, get to where and the people and the families that that you know they'll benefit so much from it. I can't imagine, Maureen, a more fulfilling part of what you do day in and day out, huh? Yeah. And Kathy, I wanted to ask for your team, is it would it, would it be like half and half volunteers and people on staff? Or what's the breakdown of that so people can understand, you know, the the sort of resources that go into just the organization that you're working and running. Yeah, that's a great question. We're actually a really small team. So I'm the only kind of full-time staff. And then we we work with um, some contract staff to help with um, some of our communications activities. But all of our operational activities are done by volunteers. So wow. that logistics coordination work, the um you know, matching the the request to the to the donation offers, just staying in touch with everybody. That's all volunteers, and that's because you know logistics and supply chain people are natural problem solvers. They gravitate to like figuring stuff out during a disaster. So much truth right there. And you know what, uh, Maureen, I don't think I've ever. I think I've learned something new. I think Kathy, I've I've been fortunate to spend I don't know three or four different episodes with you. I never knew that. Uh, so I can only imagine. Uh, goodness gracious, the the blessed are the volunteers. I think was one of the beatitudes <laughs> that that Bible didn't capture, maybe. But I love that. So speaking of 
and Maureen, you're going to have to cover your ears because I'm going to, uh, I want to uh, get Kathy to speak to something. Uh, anyone that listens to our podcast knows I'm a big fan of Maureen and the Vector Global Logistics team. I think there's very few organizations that really, they are intent on serving the greater good, far beyond just creating revenue, far beyond of just solving problems, and uh, love the DNA in that, in that culture and organization. So, Kathy, uh, enough of that, uh, Scott. But, uh, Kathy, I think Vector was recently recognized by something by your team. So if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, Everything (laughs) you just said. So uh, every year, uh, Alan recognizes businesses who are doing exactly what you said, using their resources for good. So the work that they do every day to, to make money, to make a profit, we want to recognize the ones who go beyond and are using those skills to make a difference. And so this year, Vector received our award for outstanding contribution uh, to disaster relief efforts for all of the work that they've done um, supporting the war in Ukraine or mm. supporting the response to the war in Ukraine. Right. Um, and what I really love about, um, and I don't, I, Maureen, I don't even know who who actually nominated you guys. Um, but, I don't either, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but it, I'm I so glad. I got to go to Nashville and you and I got to meet yes. in person and it was yes. great. <laughs> I, I am so glad they did. And, and Scott, I, I'm going to, you know this about Maureen and Enrique already, but what I love about the recognition is whenever, you know, I, I, I talked to Maureen and Enrique for the first time about it, the first thing they said was, how do we do more? Mm. You know, we're very proud of, of what we're doing, but we don't want to stop. We we want to be able to, to do more. And I love it when businesses are thinking from that abundance mindset rather than a, a you know, a position of scarcity. Oh, so, yeah. Kathy. Huge Amen. honor. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate what you shared, Kathy. And, uh, you know, it, it, the kindred spirits here, you know, between the two of y'all, your respective organizations, uh, I mean, that this is how you join forces to move mountains. So I'm a big fan of both of y'all here and what you do because it's not lip service, right? Y'all go to work, do the work, go to work, go to work. Maureen, why don't you, if any response uh, from what Kathy shared, and then and then we're going to dial it in on uh, some of what Kathy's been, Kathy and her team have, have been experiencing here in recent uh, weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, Kathy, it's great to see you again on here and be on the show together. As we met last month in Nashville when Helen presented the award to us. And I think this is a great avenue and audience to kind of share more of the greater good of what Alan's up to. And so kind of considering recent events, I know that there's another hurricane in the works right now, crossing our fingers that um, it doesn't grow to be the size that we just saw with Ian uh, last month or the month before, but would love for you to share some of the things that you saw and the work that Alan did, uh, because that was and still remains to be a, a major event that happened to, you know, a large group of, of our, the population here in the U.S. and mm-hmm. down in Florida. And uh, I think it'd be a great opportunity for you to, to talk about what you guys are doing there. Yeah. It, um, so where do I even begin? You know, the, the, what we saw in Florida, I think is going to end up being somewhere around the maybe fourth or fifth most costly hurricane to ever hit the United States. Um, Well over uh, $50 billion in damages at this point. I haven't even seen, you know, the latest number. We had massive flooding. We had so many houses were were affected. Um, So many businesses were affected. 
I live in Central Florida, so I was able to to go down and visit some of our partners, um, some of our nonprofit partners who are doing the the work down there. And just I've been to areas affected by disaster before, but I think because it's my home state, it was a little closer to home. It's an area where I've vacationed before. My husband's family had my mother-in-law was from there. So um, just Mm. seeing that and, you know, one of the things about flooding e- events is that people have to literally gut their houses, right? They have to pull everything that was on the floor up to however high out, and it's out on the curb, everyone to see. And that is, it's heartbreaking. So you got to think they they didn't have power, their houses were flooded. Um, so they needed, you know, they needed access to hot meals, right? And so we were able to help um, a, a number of organizations with their feeding efforts. That meant helping them find donated transportation to bring in the food that they cooked in these big, massive outdoor kitchens. It also meant groups like the Food Bank, who are there year-round uh, and are now dealing with people who were never food insecure before, this disaster has just pushed them over the edge. And so now the Food Bank has seen double the demand. So we've been helping them with things like material handling equipment. You never, uh, you know, you never know the value of a pallet jack to a business. It's a pretty minor expense on the books, but to a nonprofit who's able to move, you know, three times as much as they were able to before, it's huge. Um, and now we're starting to move into, you know, like the, 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 the daily feeding activities are kind of moving along. The food banks obviously are still there, but we're looking more at what we call recovery efforts. And that means things like helping people rebuild their houses, right? So we expect that there will be the need to move lots of building materials. Just last week, we helped um, the Habitat for Humanity organization move a truckload of mattresses. And I'll just, if I can take a moment, um, when I had gone down to Fort Myers, I happened to, I needed to go check out this location where they had set up what's called a fuel point of distribution. I needed to go for some research purposes to get some pictures. So I'd driven by there and I said, hey, there's a you know, this mass feeding site. I probably ought to go get some, some photos, just check on them, introduce myself, see if they need anything. I drove through this neighborhood, it's called Harlem Heights, and just randomly drove through this neighborhood. But when Habitat for Humanity contacted me, I said, hey, why does this address, like where we're delivering these mattresses look familiar? It's literally driven by this community center. You know, and so when you think about that, like why, what put me, who put me in that community to see what that need really was? And, you know, I'm motivated to do my job anyway, but really that motivation and that story that I could use to to tell the the trucking company that eventually helped with that, like I, the need is there. I saw the mattresses piled on, on the side of the road. And we're always, I mean, we're still working on Ukraine efforts, you know, had conversations this week. You know, it's it's not going to stop, right? right? So, yeah, so, lots, lots of activities happening. So, you know, the I think one of the things, so you, you've, you've kind of talked about some of what you've personally seen and, and what had to be some heartbreaking journeys. You've talked about some of the things uh, that you've been involved with, the team's been involved with to, to get uh, to get done, get relief efforts where they need to be, mattresses and, and, and more. But talk about the current needs. So it's long past when the TV, and, and again, not to pick on anybody, but after, you know, all the um, TV, you know, as a news cycle moves on, let's just 
say it like that. And the imagery that we saw in the earliest hours and earliest of days, once that leaves our television sets and our laptops and whatnot, the need continues and it persists. Speak to that if you would. And then also some of the great uh, aspects of your site where it allows folks to really get see specifically where they can help. A pallet jack, as you said a minute ago, everyone takes those things for granted unless you don't have one, right? So, so speak to uh, current needs and the need to you know keep finding ways of helping long beyond the news cycle and how folks can can jump in and help. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mentioned the statistic, you know, how costly this was. And I, I know sometimes when people think about Southwest Florida, they only think about the, you know, the shiny beaches, but this has a real impact. Uh, it's also uh, uh, one of the counties that was affected uh, is the oldest county in the nation. Um, and so you have a lot of people who are older than 70, older than 75, right? Those people who are on fixed incomes don't necessarily have access to the resources. They're going to need help, not just rebuilding, but just getting their lives back in order. And that's not something that you can take care of in a matter of weeks. That's something that takes months and years. And, you know, the organizations we're talking to are looking at, you know, three to five year horizons at a minimum to be working uh, in Southwest Florida. I mean, just, the, it, you know, I was driving the other day uh, near my neighborhood um, and happened to take a road that I hadn't taken in a while and just saw all of these blue roofs. And we're, you know, one month, month and a half after the hurricane now, and they haven't been repaired yet. So it's mm. not, it's not something that just happens overnight. Uh, and and this, when you say blue roofs, you're talking about uh, like tarps. tarps. Yeah. 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 So, you know, Roofs that have been damaged, you know, even my, my, we were very fortunate, but even, you know, my, my poor neighbor who's, who's older, you know, she still has damages that, um, you know, we're, our kids are over there, you know, helping her clean up every weekend. So it, it's, it's just, it, it's not something that's going to go away quickly. Um, so I want people to know, like, we're, we're in it for the long haul. We've committed to groups like Habitat to, for Humanity. Uh, groups like the food bank who are, you know, true bastions of the community. They're there year round, uh, day in and day out and, and help. We're, we're committed to helping them for the long haul. Right. Um, and the way that, that we do that is we post those, those needs, whatever those requests may be. We post them on, on our website, allenaid.org slash operations. And it's also linked just from our homepage, allenaid.org. Um, and you can go and see, hey, what's needed right now? Um, and that changes daily as new requests come in or, you know, new donors pick a, pick them off the top of the list and uh, and we make that match. Um, we just moved a load of wheelchairs today, actually, which is uh, also something that you don't think about, right? But there's, there's going to be needs uh, and ways to help for a long time to come. And, and Kathy, with what you were saying with being in some of the older communities in the U.S., you know, it seems like there's also just a need for physical help, physical labor, because if you're 75 and you need to clean out the contents of your flooded house, it's very different than if you're 35 um, to be able to do some of that on your own. Um, so now there's, you know, multi-generational assistance that's needed if your children live near you and they have to do this to their house, but, you know, you might need the help as well. So exactly. And it, and it affected a large, I mean, I think there are 24, 25 counties that have active federal disaster declarations. 
yeah, I don't even know how many people live in Florida these days. We're growing, you know, a thousand new people every day, it seems like. But, you know, that's a, a big part of our, our population, uh, you know, all the way from way down in the Keys up to through Jacksonville, because it right. just, you know, it hit um, just such a, a tremendous part of the state. Um, all right. So we're going to pick your brain on some advice here in a second, but I want to move one of the questions I was going to start to wrap with up to where we are now, because we've already alluded to a couple of different things. You know, there's a great page on, I think you, maybe it's the operations center. I'm not sure how you couch this page, but it is, you know, we love our details and specifics in global supply chain and logistics, that whole space. And it lists out all these various needs, you know, from what I'll call smaller and maybe more tactical to some some bigger scope uh, needs. So check that out at allenaid.org. Is that right, Kathy? That's right, allenaid.org. But speaking beyond that great portion of the site, if folks were just to ask you, Kathy, hey, how can whether we have volunteers that need to be voluntold, uh, all kidding there, but you know, volunteers, resources, supply chain infrastructure, money, whatever. How would you answer the question, how we can help? All of the above. I, I would say logistics, services, and equipment, we're going to need them. Even if it's not for Florida, there's probably somewhere else in the country. So if you, know, you want to make an offer, we will find an organization that can, that can use what you have. We always, you know, mentioned a lot of our work is done by volunteers, and we always love to to put people to work. And that could be anything from communications uh, to, you know, doing logistics coordination activities. Um, and then we ourselves are a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 organization. So those financial gifts help us continue to do the work that that we need to do. And it helps, you know, it's just a force multiplier. For every dollar that comes into Allen, we're able to move um, north of $70 worth of humanitarian aid. Just, Man. yeah, the leverage there is pretty phenomenal, phenomenal. And it's because of the business community who uh, joins behind us to, to support the, our work. You know, and Maureen, this goes out being said in this wide world of, you know, why so many different nonprofits and there's, Tons of overhead in some, right? And not, not not name names. You know, we're, we're we're being very positive, positively minded here. But I love what you just shared there, Kathy. Because if you want to, to any of our listeners, you want to feel good about you know where your dollars and how far they go, or resources you donate and how far they go, and go back and listen to that segment. So if I got that right, for every dollar you can transform that into what, Kathy? North of seventy dollars of of humanitarian aid. Wow. Okay, Maureen, yeah. why don't you you react to that, and then, then we're going to shift gears and pick uh, get some advice from uh, Kathy here. How about that stretching those dollars out, uh, Maureen? I was just thinking, what other contribution can you make that has such a large return on investment? And and you know, when you're contributing or donating, you don't expect the investment to come back to you. You're making an investment in something else, and so. You know, one dollar turning into seventy or seventy-five dollars um, that helps others. That that's pretty amazing, Kathy. So kudos to you and your team and and how you make that happen. So we're here to help spread the word for you. Yeah, thank you for that. And you know, I think it's really important that we. I mean, supply chains are global, right? And so maybe this disaster was in Florida. Maybe it didn't affect your your individual supply chain directly, but the next one might. 
And so keeping those resources prepared and keeping and just keeping the lights on, knowing that, hey, somebody's out there looking out for you when yeah. when something bad happens. We will, maybe we need to help your employees the next time. We're here for that. Man, love that. All right. So folks, learn more at allenaid.org. And that's A-L-A-N-A-I-D.org. Did I get that right, Kathy? You got it. I failed plenty of spelling. Uh, I was spelling about tests. to say, Scott, were you in the spelling bee? <laughs> I was about to add the E to A, but it's not no E. Alan Aid, AID.org. That's right. Okay. So, on a much lighter note, uh, we get a lot of feedback around when we, we pick the brains for advice for our featured guests. So, there's two ways I want to ask this question, Kathy. And Maureen would welcome your comments based on uh, Kathy's responses. So, as we all know, Shouldn't shock anybody. Business leaders are constantly reviewing, especially in recent years, their risk mitigation approaches, contingency planning, modeling. You know, they're hiring chief risk officers, which is a as long as it, as it's driving outcomes. I guess that's a great move, all for not just 2023 but far beyond, right? So, what is one piece of advice, Kathy, you might have for business leaders going through those those exercises? Yeah, I don't think anything's going to get any better in 2023. Uh, you know, unfortunately, everything I'm reading is that um, it's the turbulence is still going to be the name of the the game. And I think my advice is um, is twofold. Don't get so caught up in dealing with your current crisis that you forget to plan for the next one, because there are some there's some midterm and long-term things uh, beyond the current inflationary pressures and worries about recession that that I think our supply chains really need to be thinking about from a commodities perspective and access to, to equipment and changing governmental landscape. So on the flip side of that, or hand in hand with that, is really um, pay attention to the expert reports. You know, Scott, I know you do a lot of reading and synthesizing, and I so appreciate, you know, the materials that, that you share but how do you figure out what those macro trends are while you still figure out what they mean for you on a micro level? Right. Kathy, that is uh, golden advice. Uh, Maureen, your comments based on that first piece of advice. Yeah, I was just going to say it's very easy to get caught up in what is immediately in front of you. And you do need to do a little bit more digging and research to kind of see maybe some historical trends or think two or three steps beyond the immediate issue. Um, in order, like you said, to course correct your plan for the next crisis or the next challenge, um, both personally, professionally, kind of it's it's all encompassing, I think. Um, but it's very easy to get caught up in what's right here in front of you yes. and not step back and try and have like a bigger perspective on it and kind of see some of the other things that could come in and and pivot the problem one way or the other. Agreed. It's so easy to get caught up in the headlines. Right. right. And, and and read that seven or eight or 12 words or whatever and stop your digging right there. And as, as we've really spoken to earlier in this chat uh, about the need related to Hurricane Ian, if folks all stopped at the headlines, man, we'd have a, a second disaster or maybe an ongoing disaster. We already have our hands full as is. So dig, 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 look for that context and, and what what the, the truth is out there. Um, okay. So Maureen and Kathy, got one more question for you as we get some, hopefully some free advice. Uh, Kathy may send us an invoice. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll knock that out too. But students, so all of our student listeners, whether they're 
high school, they're matriculating through college. It always surprises me whenever I can say the word matriculate because it does not roll right off your tongue, right? But as these, as these folks are trying to break into global supply chain or really global business, any industry, and then go up through the ranks, right? Become senior leaders like y'all. Kathy, what is one piece of advice you'd have for them? Well, I would say you couldn't choose a better career than supply chain right now. Uh, you will be in demand with a, with a, a supply chain degree. But I, I would say my, my real advice there is um, make sure that the company that you're chasing or the company chasing you aligns with your personal values first before you consider your professional goals. Because if it if there's dissonance, you know, with the company and your personal values, you're going to be miserable um, and it's going to slow down your career rather than advancing it. So. Oh, uh, Kathy, it's, it's so it's going to be, if those two things aren't aligned, you're going to feel the daily battle between what your job is and what you want to do and what your values are in life. That is great advice. Maureen, put you on the spot a little bit. If you had, if you had to speak to uh, these students trying to find their way, what, what would be a, a simple piece of advice from you? Well, Kathy, I feel like you gave me like an underhanded softball pitch on that one just because <laughs> I work for a company that kind of fits all those criteria. But one thing that I would say, because I did not study logistics or supply chain in college. I mean, I went I went to Emory and I studied international studies in Spanish. So me getting into this field was was luck. But I would say in retrospect, you know, one way to be successful in this field or any other is to seek out those areas of the field that you aren't as comfortable or familiar with. Doesn't mean you have to be an expert in it, but to become familiar with it, learn the terms, learn aspects of it, because I do think that it is important if you specialize in something to also become a generalist in the larger part of that industry. There's a great book I'm reading right now about why generalists thrive in a specialized world. It's called Range. You guys should check it out. I haven't finished it, but it's <laughs> it's pretty good. There's no plug. I don't get any money from Amazon on that or anything. I didn't <laughs> the book. Uh, but I think that it fits like both personally and professionally. The more well-rounded you are, the more that you can contribute and bring differing perspectives and ideas to the table, which only help you know an organization progress. Mm. I don't think that they ever hinder it. Lori, that. that that gives me hope for my career because, like, I I always feel like I never go deep on things like the being a generalist. And now I'm happy. I'm going to check out the book. Range, yeah, right? You know, I I I heard about it or I read something about it, and I thought that specialization right now is very. It's a t- term I read about all the time, and I'm like, is it a generational thing that, or am I just missing the boat? And does this make me not? How can I contribute more to the company? How can I be more valuable, you know, individually and as a collective part of my organization? And and I read it and it's I don't think that's it's generally intended as a business purpose, but and I'm sure if you Google it, you could find the, the name. It has a nice teal blue cover. But yeah, I recommend it and and for a lot of the listeners to check it out. But the concept remains, you know. The song remains the same as Led Zeppelin once sang years <laughs> ago, right? Range. Just y'all check that out. And I would just add kind of along the lines of what both y'all both are sharing, you know, it's so valuable and such time well spent to be exploring your horizons, exploring new pools, right? New parts of the of the of the uh, ocean, right? And as Crystal York would say, she said it on, on a show uh, a month or two ago, I dare you. 
I dare you. So I dare you to explore those horizons. You never know where you're going to end up, whether you're a generalist, a super generalist, or someone that really focuses in on any particular area of global business. There's value in all those and all points in between. Okay, so I think we tackled this, but make sure, you know, folks, alanaid.org. But Kathy, how else, you know, beyond checking it out and getting involved and contributing on whatever level, as Greg White says, it doesn't matter, give small, give big, just give. But how can folks connect with you and uh, the Allen team? Yeah, on our website, allenaid.org. Our social media is pretty much Allen Aid across the board. Um, that's the best way to find us. You know, there's forms to fill out, to, you know, if you want to volunteer or donate, um, all of those things. And then people can just, you know, contact me directly, hit me up on LinkedIn or your favorite social media site. Love that. And folks, as Kathy mentioned, some of the current disasters from Ukraine, uh, to Florida, to all other points, um, uh, Cuba and, and beyond, uh, may not have impacted you and your organization. Most importantly, your team, but maybe the next one will. And uh, so it's good to it's good to give forward, as we say here, and give proactively so that um, and we can help those in need now or uh, down the road. So thank you so much, Kathy, Maureen. Uh, how can folks connect with you and the good folks over at Vector Global Logistics? Uh, if you can spell my first and last name, I won't make Scott do it because I don't want to test him anymore <laughs> on his spelling today. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, but also more importantly than than me, you can find Vector at VectorGL.com. And from there, you can normally access any of, any of our employees directly from the website. So, And I'm sure that you always have all your blue hyperlinks and all of the you things bet. that you post this. So. The episode oh, notes. Yes. <laughs> Maureen, love that. Again, appreciate what you uh, and the whole team do. Uh, big fans there. Kathy, thank you so much. Uh, Executive Director with the American Logistics Aid Network, also known, better known perhaps as Allen, doing critical, critical work to help out so many different communities. Kathy, thanks so much for your time here today. Yeah, thank you and Maureen for having me on. You bet. And speaking of Maureen, wonderful. Enjoy always enjoy these these shows where you join us. And most more importantly than that, love your good work. Um, deeds, not words, what you're always you and the team are always up to. So thank you for what you do there, Maureen. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You bet. Okay. To our listeners, man, this is like a master class on a variety of levels of real leadership of of with a little bit of supply chain in there, but really more it's, it's more than just supply chain. It's, it's recognizing and rolling up sleeves and, and getting to work uh, with whatever you can do. So, hey, check out allenaid.org. Jump into the fray. Uh, find a way, find a level that, that you can help support it with, with your wherewithal resources. But whatever you do, again, deeds, not words. Let's take action together. On that note, Scott Luton, on behalf of our team here at Supply Chain Now, challenging you, do good, give forward, and be the change. Hey, be like Kathy Fulton and Maureen Walshlager. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.